Welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gorn. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news and wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly. Now that Brexit is finally here, UK agrees trade deal with the EU. What are the consequences for the wine industry? South Africa bans sales of alcohol again, while England bans pubs from selling takeaway alcohol. And as we look forward to dry January, Freshenet launches alcohol-free sparkling wine. And as ever, our wine of the week. Before we dive into this week's headlines, our two weeks in wine, and we're back. Uh, you know, we had a couple weeks. We we took our little holiday vacation, as many people in the industry and beyond did. Uh, though the holidays looked quite different this year, didn't they? Of course, yes. A lot of people travelled. We stayed here in California, um, trying to avoid getting COVID. And Katie, you had a little test just to make sure you didn't have it, and you didn't, which was good to hear. Um, But we still had fun. We Zoomed with my family back in Europe. It's actually quite nice just to be able to communicate in that way, although, of course, we do look forward to meeting in person at some point in 2021, I hope. Yes, I think the holidays kind of bring some pressure with the joyous tidings. Um, And this year there was none of it. It was very low-key. Uh, we actually had a very nice New Year's Eve, did a little takeout from a local restaurant, Street Social, and it was accompanied with a bottle of Le Large Peugeot Champagne. So it's fried chicken. We had the black-eyed peas, because you're supposed to have your, your black-eyed peas on, on New Year's Eve. I'm not sure who made that up, but anyway, I think it has something to do with good luck. That was the first, that was the first I'd ever heard of that, but yes. We still enjoyed them, so hopefully it brings good tidings for 2021. Indeed. That was a really good pairing, the champagne and the fried chicken. And as you say, it was a very relaxed, pressure-free environment where we could just enjoy the food and the wine without having to worry about socialising and amateur drinkers out out in the wild, as it were. And it was just a much more low-key, enjoyable experience. I really enjoyed my New Year's Eve. Good food, good wine. Yes, and a very good Spanish film called Contratiempo. One of the theme, one of the themes of twenty twenty for us has been watching lots of Spanish TV and Spanish films, and it's made us a little nostalgic for Spain. And maybe we'll get there at some point. Um, but yes, it's a really uh, fun film, quite a um, convoluted plot, but a very um, gripping one. Yes, the translation would be invisible guest if you're looking for it uh highly recommend it and subtitles are of course available if you're not a spanish speaker and it goes very well with the large peugeot as well so that's that's our wine pairing and just to um remind the listener large peugeot is um champagne producer and one of the family members lives here in Petaluma, so that's how we found out about that wine. And hopefully in the next week or so i'm going to interview clemence large peugeot about um, her family and her wine and those wines and about the Mernier grape variety. And that will be on my own podcast. A shameless plug, Matthew. And now on with the news. The UK and the EU finally agreed a trade deal and it was quickly ratified by EU member states and the UK parliament. This means the UK left the EU on the 1st of January with a deal rather than no deal. But it's not as simple as that. One of the arguments for leaving the EU was to remove the bureaucracy and red tape imposed by Brussels. 
But leaving means that the UK has to create its own red tape from scratch. And the UK now has two different trade relationships with the EU, as Northern Ireland retains open borders with the Republic of Ireland. Though quite how that will work is still unclear. So what does all this mean for the wine industry? One of the big upsides is that the proposed VI1 import and export forms will not be required. These forms were complicated and a bureaucratic nightmare. Instead, thankfully, much simpler forms have been introduced in which the country of origin, name of producer, region of origin, and other associated geographic indicators and alcoholic strength must be listed. Although the level of ABV does not need lab verification. Also, the status of bulk wine that is imported into the UK and then exported to the EU and even Northern Ireland will require the VI1 forms, and there is still uncertainty as to the nature of the forms and what information is exactly re required. In related international trade news, and not so positive, the US increased tariffs on EU wine which were first imposed in October 2019. Previously, wines over 14% were exempt from the 25% tariffs, but now wines over 14% from France and Germany will be taxed. This is in response to tariffs imposed on U.S. drinks by the EU, which the U.S. claims were calculated inaccurately, basing them on trade volumes that had drastically been reduced due to the impact of COVID-19. Even with the imminent presidency of Joe Biden, with which many hope will come more lenient international trade policy, it doesn't look like the tariffs issue is going away anytime soon. It does not. And as we've commented on the pod before, there is a tendency to associate any unpopular decision made by the US government with Donald Trump. That's certainly not the case. They do have a very um, protectionist um, stance on their um, industries and trades and so I don't think this issue is going to go anywhere anytime soon. So it's still going to be an issue throughout 2021 about tariffs and you, you retaliating on the US and vice versa. So it just might get worse and it's not good for the drinks industry, not just the wine industry but the spirits industry as well. And I think many have commented that, unfortunately, the wine industry is probably not at the top of Joe Biden's list as he enters the presidency in 2021, though perhaps foreign policy will be. So we'll, we'll see if that will trickle down into the wine industry sooner rather than later. He is definitely much more pro-EU than Donald Trump. And so although the wine industry may not be a priority for him and his team, as you say, positive policies towards the EU may um, help resolve the situation. But I think it's going to take a while because, as I say, the US is quite uh, protective of its industries. And of course, all this is to do with aviation and nothing to do with wine. And so any benefits for the wine industry could be completely uh, coincidental. And then we have the UK finally leaving the EU. That's been confirmed. They left on the 1st of January. So depressing news for internationalists like me. Still a very divided um, issue and quite how this is going to roll out in 2021 is going to be interesting and slightly frightening because I don't think anyone really understands the consequences of this trade deal which was agreed at the last minute and um, it's, it is going to create a lot of red tape for uh, British businesses including those in the wine industry but it's welcome that the, this part of this deal has simplified that red tape a little bit. And it is better than no deal at all. Would you agree with that? Yes. But at the same time, all these businesses have had one week to prepare because the deal was signed or was agreed and ratified just a week before the exit. 
And so all these businesses are very unsure exactly what's happening and what um, the trade deal means for their um, imports and exports. For the third time this year, the South African government banned sales of alcohol as part of its response to rapidly rising cases of COVID-19. Restaurants must also close at 8pm, and there is a curfew from 9pm to 6am. The reason for the ban is because the government believes the consumption of alcohol creates stress in hospitals that need to devote time and space to victims of COVID-19. The drinks industry reacting negatively to the news, feeling that a blanket ban does not properly address the issues and that it also causes the sale of illicit alcohol. Two days after the ban, for example, thousands of closures were stolen from a production facility, an example of the illegal market created by the ban. As reported by the pod, the South African wine industry has suffered more than any other, in part due to the government's prohibition policies. 250 million litres of wine remain unsold and likely to be destroyed or distilled, while it is estimated that the industry has lost the equivalent of £378 million. The only good news right now is that wine is still able to be exported, which had also been banned at the beginning of the Covid outbreak, so that is allowed at least. And surprisingly, England also imposed further limitations on the sales of alcohol this week. Although off-licenses and supermarkets are still allowed to sell alcohol, pubs and restaurants now cannot do so for pickup or takeaway. They are, however, allowed to deliver to people's homes. The new regulation was criticized for being an arbitrary and unfair and favoring big businesses over small. The government is providing £9,000 for businesses in compensation. So the, the situation in the UK is extremely chaotic. Just to give an example, on Sunday, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, gave an interview in which he said schools would open the next day. And then 24 hours later, as all the pupils went to school, he changed his mind and said, no, they're going to be closed for the foreseeable future. So all these school children were going to school, possibility of the infection, and going back home. That doesn't sound like any political figure we know here in the US. No, but usually when Donald Trump says something, nothing actually happens. When <laughs> with the UK, it's actual uh, actual policy, and so we have this decision to uh, ban the sale of alcohol uh, from pubs for takeaway, which I don't think makes any sense whatsoever, given that they can still deliver it, and it really hurts these businesses. And I feel we're living in a, a neo-prohibitionist uh, revival right now, where alcohol is blamed for everything. When I think there's a lot deeper structural issues causing the spread of COVID-19. And I did read this week that the ski resorts here in California are still open and that people from Southern California, which is really badly affected with COVID right now, are escaping to the ski resorts. And given that was a super spreader 12 months ago, it seems surprising that they're open, but I can't go down to my local bar and have a socially distanced pint. Seems to be business as usual, though they are restricting the number of individuals that can actually be at any resort at any given time. So they are trying to keep the social distance in mind. Um, but it is surprising that I, I hadn't realized that the lodges were open and serving beverages and meals because that kind of goes against all of California's policy anyway. Maybe it's different there. Well, they're able to get away with it because many of the ski resorts are actually located in Nevada rather than California. And Nevada has less strict rules than California, which uh, gives an indication of some of the kind of arbitrary boundaries uh, concerning um, how these rules are being enforced. But even so, the fact that people are traveling from Southern California to Lake Tahoe to go skiing does show a lack of responsibility and the fact that these regulations are not um, 
easy to enforce. And then in South Africa, we have the complete ban on alcohol, which seems counterproductive because that just creates an industry for um, illegal bootlegging. And there's no control over the quality of that product and the safety of that product and who's buying and selling it. Yes, it does seem to be just running in circles rather than trying to find um, the best foot forward. Kava giant Freshenet has launched alcohol-free sparkling wine in the USA, both white and rosé. The launch is designed to capitalize on the trend of low or no alcohol drinks in the U.S., or no low, as they like to call it, with Freshnet stating that 35% of Americans are alcohol-free drinkers. The wines are made just as the producer's other sparkling wines, but the alcohol is removed so that the wine contains 0.05% or less. They retail for $12. So I think this launch is uh, quite in tune with the general sentiment of dry January. Uh, We have uh, quite a few of those large-scale producers uh, putting promotions out there for their low-alcohol wines, launching new products, uh, and Freshnet is definitely on that train. Yeah, definitely not my style of wine. It'd be interesting to try one. Maybe we can get our hands on uh, one of the, the, the wines and see what they actually taste like. But my experiences with wines that have had their alcohol removed, uh, they really aren't very good. I may as well just drink sparkling grape juice and just be done with the whole fermentation process. Because why ferment when you, um, you just remove the alcohol? Well, it could be good news for mimosa drinkers because I find, you know, there you're sort of masking the taste of the sparkling wine anyway it's a drink that uh, people like to enjoy in the morning at brunch so don't want it to be too boozy so what fun to have a nice kind of spritzy orange juice uh, to kick off the day so yeah there's definitely a market for these wines and fishernets are not stupid they're market savvy and so they've done their research and concluded that they can uh, sell these wines and they're only twelve dollars and it just, I guess, it guess adds to their the range, their portfolio. Yes, well, it is high time that Kava gains a little bit more traction here in the U.S., so maybe uh, these are some of those products that will get it there. And now for our wine of the week, which is Katie. Domaine de la Coupe Nobis Syrah, 2018. Very exciting to uh, discuss this wine. Beautiful label. And we love this producer. And where is Domaine de la Coupe located? In the Loire Valley in Muscadet. So one would conclude that this wine is from Muscadet in the Loire Valley. But is it, Katie? It definitely is not. And why do we know that? Because there is no Syrah grown in the Loire Valley. Well, as far as we know. Mm. I certainly haven't tried any. That's true. There could be some. So this is a side project for the winemaker and owner Fred Niger. And it's called Le, Le Tom de Copan, which means, Katie? Making wine with friends. Yeah, so he is um, apparently a, a, quite a character, has a lot of friends throughout France and elsewhere in Europe. And so he decided that he would have these joint projects where he would make wine with his friends, still under the Domaine de la Coupe um, kind of family, but obviously of a different style from different regions, just to reflect um, the styles of wine that he and his friends like. So this wine, the Syrah, is from the Southern Rhone, and it's really quite delightful. Youthful, informal, fun, 
Uh, it's 14.1%, uh, so probably labeled as such to avoid tariffs because it really didn't feel like it had that much heat. I'd say maybe at 13.5. But Yeah, a lot of French producers apparently and allegedly have been labeling their wines as being above 14% to avoid those 25% tariffs. Though, of course, with the latest news that we reported in this pod, that's no longer relevant or useful. Well, we'll have to see what the next vintage brings to see if they were, in fact, being honest about the alcohol content. Yeah, well, hopefully by that stage, the tariffs won't be there, but we'll see. Here's hoping. And so who's the friend that he makes the wine with? Well, in this case, it's Philippe Joffre from Chateau Terrefort. And I know nothing about that producer. I haven't tried those wines either, but he's a fairly young uh, producer trying something new in the Southern Rhone. So it definitely would be um, exciting to try those wines as well, because this is a really nice Syrah. Not too fruity, not too jammy, but still had a nice body and weight, quite spicy and very meaty. Well, it's a delightful wine anyway. And a little disclaimer on the translation, Les Temps de Copain is actually, I think the literal translation is more like time with friends. Um, But it appears making wine is spending time with friends. So I guess that makes sense. Exactly. And the idea is that you drink the wine with friends as well. So it's all about friendship. Cheers to that. So thank you for listening and enjoying the week's news in wine with us. We're really glad to keep you up to date with what's happening in the world of wine. Some of it good, some of it not so good. It's a volatile environment out there. We need to keep up to date. And we're very excited to head into a new year with you all. Uh, We hope you'll find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes and Spotify. Rate and review us, please. Um, It is our uh, New Year's resolution uh, to get this podcast into more people's feeds uh, to kind of grow our audience. You know, it's always been something fun that we do. Uh, We gain a lot from reading through the news and and bringing it to all our listeners. Uh, But we are going to try to really up our marketing game and uh, get this pod into people's feeds, as I said. Cheerio. Cheerio.